Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cracking the Codes. Uh, what a beautiful day sitting at Flemington for, I reckon, one of the, the more special race days in the calendar year, and that is Newmarket Handicap Day. And, and it's special because it has got a point of difference. It can run a Group 1 race down the very famous straight six, six furlongs, 1,200 metres. Pinjaro have got the 1,000. We used to have Victoria Park with the 1,000. Um, Newmarket's a common name. I think there's 15 Newmarket handicaps in Australia, but this is the special one. This is it and a bit, isn't it? I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Bruce McAvaney when he joins us a little bit later on because I reckon every fibre of his being would love every bit of the Newmarket handicap, the great evening up of the handicap and right. the history. Remember with, one with Bruce, and I'll bring it up when, when Bruce is here. Bruce McAvaney is going to be uh, one of our special guests this morning, but Placid Arc 1987. I was a young whippersnapper, just started at Channel 10. I was in the box with Bruce. Bruce is calling Placid Arts 1987 Newmarket Handicap, and to me it's as special as if I called it. Yeah, no, no doubt. So uh, Mac is going to join us, uh, what, about 10.40 this morning. Clinton McDonald is going to... I always feel a little bit sombre when I, you see a lot of those um, old replays of Weekend Hustle, and there's Ross McDonald. So uh, it's been nearly 10 years since Ross McDonald died, and uh, yeah. Clinton McDonald has taken the bat, and Weekend Hustler won the race in 08 for the family, and now Clinton is a sole trader... Uh, he had a winner last night at Pakenham, by the way. Has got uh, a key runner in the race today, too. So uh, looking Patrol. forward to uh, Star Patrol. Clinton McDonald joining us. Bruce, Liam O'Keefe's going to set the same Steve Rossich from the club. Duff, big meeting in Sydney, the Coolmore, Hong Kong. Julia Sandu, my, my great mate, is going to join us. It's big, big day for Julia Sandu today. Uh, Dave Hagen's the handicapper. If ever you're going to have a chat to a handicapper, today's, today's the day with yep. the new market handicap. Hey, Simone's with us, too. She's, we've sent her up bush. She's our scout. She's our country scout today. How are you, oh, good morning to you both. Yeah, good morning to you both. I'd be, I wish I was at Flemington this morning. Um, that carbine picture in the background there in the winning owner's room that you're sitting in front of. But I'm at the Bendigo Showgrounds. Um, there's a really big pony club event this weekend. And if I look like I slept in a horse float last night, well, that's because I did. So... I'm looking very dishevelled. I've been up cladding horses' tails and manes and getting a child ready and already had arguments. So I'm looking forward to this very peaceful hour and exciting hour. And I cannot tell you how much, how disappointed I am that I'm not going to be there to sit next to Bruce McAvaney and um, have a chat to him, someone I've grown up with watching on the television with the sports and race calling and all the rest of it. But um, the things you do as a mother, and I know you guys as fathers, you've done the same thing as well for your children. Put yourself out and um, <laughs> made it difficult for texts and things back at the studio. But I think we're here now and looking forward to a great day of racing. I've also got um, the trainer of the Horsham Cup winner last night, Jeff Gill. He'll be joining us very shortly to have a brief chat about his um, biggest thrill in racing, I think you would call it. So what a great morning. And uh, yeah, look, Flemington looks amazing too. Just before we do go to our um, guest from the Horsham Cup last night, Simone inadvertently discovered that her daughter has sporting skill yesterday. She thought she was a sporting dud for the first 12 years of her life. Darcy ran in the uh, <laughs> around the lake at Lara Marathon yesterday and, and ran a, an honourable sixth at her first ever sporting attempt. So, uh, promising career. Uh, you know, we know it's a controversial relationship between Simone and Darcy, but it was a, a big high yesterday. But they're arguing today, which doesn't surprise. The, the pony club uh, that where you're at today for that uh, for that carnival, there is. Uh, uh, a connection, isn't it, particularly with uh, the harness racing and, and the thoroughbred racing because a lot of the jockeys, a lot of drivers, they brought up with ponies, pony clubs, and a lot of them, and a number of them, have progressed then on to being jockeys and or drivers, Simone. Oh, absolutely, Dan, and I think 
Jamie Carr thinks fondly of it and the amount of games that she used to do, the balance that it gave her and the skill in riding. So she's the prime example. But the other thing that's lovely, we're seeing a lot more standard breads out on the Pony Club scene, but even this weekend, they've got a big um, off-the-track section as well. So all the off-the-track thoroughbreds that are competing, there is a special uh, rug and presentation and a category for them as well. So it's um, at the Bendigo Showgrounds, it's a massive weekend, the big Pony Club event with show jumping and dressage and games and stockman's challenges and all sorts of things and um, it's a great event but look I love seeing any off the track thoroughbreds and the standard breeds of course they stand out with their brands on their necks so it's hard not to miss them and great that so many people are embracing these retired racehorses from both coasts because they have so much to offer they've been given a life previously of a lot of routine you know they're used to having their feet lifted up they're used to standing around having rugs put off rugs put on and off and instable so they make for wonderful horses and it's um they're becoming a lot more accessible and they're out there a lot more and like you mentioned dan the pony club theme has been a great foundation for many riders including our olympian riders as well well last night it was the horsham cup of greyhounds and we know the name gill pretty well but it's usually got the initial d before it this time it's a little bit different simone that's right. David Gill, who we know just took out the Australian Cup with Fernando Mick, his brother Jeff Gill trained some greyhounds as well and um, it was just over $6, I think it paid, at um, Jungle Panther. Jumped from box five, came from last to first to win the Horsham Cup. I know we've got the replay down there. Are we going to go to the replay yep. or will we pick up Jeff straight away? We'll pick up the replay Let, maybe and then uh, Jeff on the back of the replay. Jeff, we'll, we'll go to the replay. Racing in the cup and Stell shot out off the inside goes through to take advantage of the lead. Matt's Hope comes across to second. Up to third would have been Aston Lira. Around the outside, fourth Jungle Panther on the move. Midfield would have been Call Me Marley. Zara's Ivan third from last. He's no slouch. Second last. The favourite baby JC is last on the swing for home. Matt's Hope the leader. Down the outside, Stealth trying to weave through Aston Lira with Jungle Panther. Still Matt's Hope in front is Jungle Panther. Jungle Panther takes the Horsham Cup. Second goes to Aston Lira. And third will be Matt's Hope. Fourth in the race was Stealth. And then came Call Me Marley, Zara's Ivan, followed by He's No Slouch. Oh, and uh, Jeff, um, I know you're on the line there. I'm just wondering whether, you, whether you've actually had any sleep because you wouldn't have left Horsham until way after 10 o'clock, probably a three-hour-plus drive home. And um, the excitement from that race and probably your biggest thrilling racing. Good morning. Welcome to Cracking the Coach. And how's the last 12 hours been? Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. So, yeah, well, yeah, I haven't had much sleep. You're right there. Um, I think I uh, got home about two o'clock. But the, the trip home was, uh, yeah, yeah, quite enjoyable. I was on my own. And, um, yeah, when you win a race like that, you're right, it is a first-time experience for myself. So, uh, yeah, I was just wide awake. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing what goes through your head. And I think the race caller just there sums it up. He almost maybe to jump out of his uh, the box where he was calling that uh, the way he'd come home it just finished off a yeah a great race wasn't it? It was he was the fastest heat winner drew box five he's only had the one win from box five heading into the race and mm -hmm. um, he's done well from outside draws how confident were you in that field it was quite an open field um, baby JC the mm -hmm. favourite but all the same um, quite an open mm -hmm. field as it shows yeah, certainly yeah those all similarly around those early splits, 8.47, 8.48. That's what Jan Jungle run last week when he led with Stell. So he thought if he jumped on terms and, and could find a position, but 
I've just watched the replay here on our big screen at home, and he actually got a little bit crowded as they jumped out, so he sort of got squeezed out the back. So that's how he ended up out the back. But it was a blessing in disguise, uh, Simone, because um, the, the, the eight had come across and uh, sort of uh, bunched up the field, and the baby JC, the favourite, did get, get put out the back. But that left our fella, Jungle, out on his own, where he likes to be. So, uh, yeah, it was almost like he had his favourite box eight. He was out there in his own territory, and that's where he just he made up some good ground early. Still a bit far off from my thought, even going off the back about six off. I thought, oh, it's still a bit too far, but gee, he, he gathered him in, in, the, in the straight. But, uh, yeah, just so wrapped with him, absolutely. Oh, no doubt. And uh, you've been probably training in the shadows of your brother, David, for a long time. And this greyhound, Jungle Panther, is out of Uphill Jill, who we know is mm -hmm. uh, absolutely sensational. So it must um, feel good to actually think, oh, I'm not just David's brother, I'm Jeff Gill, and I've just trained the horse and cup winner. <laughs> yeah, look, it doesn't get any better, but to, to be a family experience, Dave and I are a pretty close brother, or very close brothers anyway. And we, I had uh, trained under his, his shadow for six years, but sort of these days, like, I can replicate what he's done, the success that he's had. It's just like a system that we work to out there. And um, so, yeah, I'm very fortunate. Probably a, uh, a head start on many new trainers that come into the sport. Uh, just to have been able to work with Dave, learn from him. And uh, he's, Dave's had a big impact for Marie and I, my wife, in, in, in you know, enabling us to, to buy good pups, well-bred pups. And that's what I've always wanted. And uh, so we have got the next litter, believe it or not, Simone, a, a dog uh, by Kinlock Bray out of Uphill Jill. And we've also got one in the last litter to Uphill Jill to Aston Rupee. So you can just see there how fortunate my wife and I are to, to be have well-bred dogs, but to be in good company too. Where we, we look humbly, humbly blessed in where we are in the sport. And no, it's not easy. We have had setbacks, but. Um, so we just, you know, encourage others to, to, you know, get into a great industry that we are in and uh, there, there can be a lot of success along the way. Yeah, what an exciting race. Jungle Panther, it's a name that uh, I think uh, easily fits in the, in the mind of people. I like the name of the Jungle <laughs> Panther okay. pouncing at the finish. I hope Dave was one of the first to, uh, to congratulate you, though, Jeff. Yeah, look, he was almost on the phone, but... You know what? You're right, but I wanted to make that first call, and I got in before Dave did. He's over in first at the moment with Fernando, uh, Fernando Mix, same with uh, Linda and Chris Health. But I actually got in first. I'm glad I did because I just wanted to let Dave know that uh, it's all because of him that Marie and I have uh, been able to do what we do in the grand racing, and um, so we owe so much to him. But I know he appreciates our involvement as well, because we do take a, a, a fair amount of the, the training, um, you know, out there and to working with Dave. So he knows it's not, he couldn't do it alone and none of us could. But, um, yeah, to work together, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a joy. Yeah, I really appreciate all what Dave's done. So I got in that call first. There you go. <laughs> Good on you. What's the, the best advice that you've taken from Dave? Because I'm sure it um, would transcend through the other codes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, he, he doesn't... Dave, he gives advice. He doesn't uh, sort of rule with an iron fist at all, Simone. He's he just sort of... You know, one of the big things I, I've found with Dave, he allows, he's allowed me to make mistakes, learn from the mistakes, because he's made them as well. 
And I, I really take that, like, because in, in this industry, look, things can go wrong pretty quick. And we have some setbacks out on the property at times. But uh, so I feel, uh, yeah, we, we work. He's got a great team, a great staff. We, we, we feel like we work in a safe environment, that we can make mistakes. And it's OK, we you know get back on the, the horse, so to speak, and, uh, and get on with it. But um, so, yeah, I just feel, yeah, secure in that environment. And, uh, yeah, we thrive out there. We're, we're very, very, very fortunate to have the team that we've got. And like Dave's in Perth today, I'm at home with Jungle Panther on the floor in my lounge room while we've got staff out there working, three young people, my, my lad and his partner and her sister running the show out there while Dave and I are off the, off the scene. So is that pretty good? Yeah, oh, look, it, it is. And it was wonderful last night. I was um, down the main street of Bendigo watching the race on my phone. But <laughs> congratulations to you all, Jeff, and thanks for joining us. On cracking yeah. the coach this morning. Yeah, thanks. That's a pleasure. Thanks, Simone, very much. Thanks, guys. Well, Dan, I know you've touched up some replays yeah. of new markets and, and all the rest of it, and there's one there that's very um, apt for what I'm dealing with this weekend, and that was Haylist. You might want to tell our listeners yeah. a little bit about this replay. Well, it shows you how good he was. When Black Caviar wasn't around, he was a great sprinter. And Haylist won the new market uh, in 2012. On the other side of a break, we're going to come back with our first guest, Clinton McDonald, to talk about Weekend Hustler and maybe, maybe the second McDonald new market handicap winner in Star Patrol. Fox Wedge, the leaders buffering down on the insiders right there. Beat it, starting to come home. Rain Affair was battling. It's buffering in front with about 150 to go. Haylist and Fox Wedge are coming at him. Buffering with Haylist coming hard. Buffering narrowly. Haylist trying his heart out. He's driving at the line on the outside. And he's made it really close. Haylist and Buffering hit it together. Photos for third. Worms come home. Feeling ready. Up there to Fox Wedge and also Live and Let Die. You're listening to Cracking the Codes live from Flemington on the most beautiful day that I've ever experienced in my life on a racetrack and sashaying past us just before was Jane Eibel so we roped her in uh, from .com of course just to set the scene for the day and she's going to have a big day on .com today. Hello Jane, how are you? I'm good, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, we couldn't have asked for a better day could we and the view out there is superb, the sun's shining and we've got a great day of racing ahead of us. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous isn't it? Um, we're going to ask you your thoughts on who you think might win today's race. It's a massive juggle and the handicapper Dave Hagen's going to join us later just to tell us how much of a handicapping juggle the race has been. But your favourite ever? There's been 149 of them, so you've got a large list. Favourite ever Newmarket winner? Look, I probably can't narrow it down to one, but look, I, I was a huge fan of Takeover Target in his day. I thought he was just a superstar. His story is phenomenal. I actually spent some time in the UK with Sea Change when I was travelling her, the good New Zealand mare, and Takeover Target was staying in the same stable as what I was up there. I think it was his final year in the UK at that time. So um, I think he's a pretty special racehorse. Loved his win in the new market. But since I've been in Australia, Sunlight would probably be my favourite. I thought she was such a tough mare. I love it when a filly spoils the party in the Coolmore with all the $30 million colts and then the filly comes along. Uh, they often take the centre stage, but also the big fields. That year it was a very competitive race. It was a big field. And I must admit, my best memories are those capacity field new markets. When Placid Arc won, for example, Brawny Spirit even, both sides of the track. You don't know who's going to win until the last 20 metres. And sometimes then you don't know who's going to win. But that was one of the, the better races uh, from a, um, a collective point of view, uh, that sunlight. Did you tip sunlight there? 
Oh, I used to tip her a lot. I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head whether I tipped her that day, but uh, she was one of my favourites from the mounting yard, and it was great to see her get the job done. Jane was hooked on sunlight. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> hey, what about today? Private Eye's got 58. I just go, 58, and then you've got these lightly weighted ones, and then inside, outside, the juggle of all that. What's, um, what do you think you like in the new market today? Well, I think that's the greatest thing about the new market, isn't it? Because it's a handicap. You have, um, obviously, that group of weights where you've got your good horses carrying a lot of weight and you've got your up-and-comers down on, on the minimum. So I think it's a really good addition of the race this year. I absolutely love I Wish I Win. Uh, if my thoughts on how good I think he is, he can win this race today. I think he's one out of the box. There's something really special about him. I think he's got some X factor, but it's not going to be easy for him today. I know Peter Moody's already questioned the fact that he's carrying 56 and a half against him. Um, Pretty smart horses down in the weights. I'd love to see Lofty Strike win a Group 1 for Julius. I just think he deserves it. And if he wins today, I'll have a big smile on my face because I think more than anything, it's about the story, isn't it, behind the horse and the connections. And we get to tell those stories, obviously, within the media. So if Lofty Strike wins, I think it'll be a pretty special. I just want to see Julius's reaction. He's going to join us a little bit later on to set the final scene. for. But I love Julius's animation yeah. when the horse wins. That's and, going to and look, there'll be a bit of a emotion involved today, not just because you've won a big, big race. The story goes far beyond that if he is able to win with Lofty Strike. And also, you said that you'll have a big smile on your face. I want to see when you haven't got a big <laughs> smile on your face, Jane. I'd be more shocked than, than anyone if you didn't. Well, why wouldn't you be smiling? I actually have the greatest job in the world. I get to come to the races and watch horses wander around a mounting yard and I get paid for it. So that's probably the reason I've always got a big smile on my face. Well, you can <laughs> smile your way through the day today uh, from uh, your spot at racing.com just around the corner from here. Thanks for, for joining us on race day morning. No problem. Hope J you guys enjoy your day. Yeah, we will Thanks, absolutely. Jane. Depends on the punt, of course, but we will. at this stage of the day, we're going to enjoy it, Jane. Thanks very much and you have a great great day with .com. Dan, we might have a listen to The Hustler, and that'll set the scene for Clinton McDonald. As I said, it's nearly a decade since the great Roscoe died, and now Clinton has definitely taken the reins. So let's have a listen to the race that uh, Jane actually galloped off. We kept it. She, she, she did about a nine to the furlong there to go to the, uh, the .com booth over there. Let's have a listen to The Hustler. 2008. In... Can you believe that? New market handicap weekend, Hustler. Dan Ciro's out full of running at the 400. Weekend Hustler call for the supreme effort. It's his moment of truth. He's trying to come on. Magna's still there from Grand Jewels. Rewilla's about to light the fuse on the Hustler. He goes out after the leader, Magnus. Stands out, comes through. Magnus in front. Weekend Hustler stride by stride. Pegs him back and the super three-year-old takes the lead. Magnus comes again. Weekend Hustler in front and it's a great win in the new market handicap. Three quarters and Rewilla loves it. Second prize, Magnus. Third squick, I think. Zipping late on the scene, not far away. Well, there it was, the Hustler, and that was part of a suite of wins as a three-year-old, then a four-year-old, and he was one of the great uh, horses of the modern era. Can Star Patrol emulate the former stablemate? And it's a, a story of two eras, really. It was the great McDonald family, and now Clinton's forging his own identity, and today would be so special with Star Patrol, and Clinton joins us. How are you, Clint? Yeah, good morning, boys. Yeah, does it seem like almost a decade since uh, we lost your old man? No, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It only sort of feels like a couple of years ago, but uh, it's been a while and, um, you know, we missed the big fella and uh, missed his stories and uh, just missed his humour, really. Um, he was always up for a good time in the beer and, um, you know, he was, a, he was a great man to be around. 
Yeah, you sort of answered the question there. I'm trying to think of what I most... He was a larger-than-life character, but he was also quite a reserved man as well. So he was a bit of both, really. Was it his humour? Was it his knowledge? What What is it that you miss most about the old man? I miss his knowledge, I'd say. Um, you know, his knowledge was... Uh, he, he had that much experience with horses, and he was such a good horseman. Uh, so it's definitely his knowledge that you miss, but um, also having a good time. You know, he's one to... Uh, always want to have a drink and have a laugh. He, he, he never said a lot. He used to do a lot of head nodding, but, uh, you know, it was always good times and uh, he lived life to the fullest, that's for sure. And, and the, the race horses that were the, 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 the top horses that he had, you've had a champion two-year-old in, in Corsa, the great Myler in, in Magari, uh, the Stayers and the Mayor Centauria in, uh, in Pazira, uh, and then leading to the, to the champion race horse almost of all distances in Weekend Hustler. So, I reckon he would have been pretty satisfied. He ticked every box. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, he was a trainer that only ever had 30 horses in work. He never had any more. Um, he never wanted to get big. Uh, he liked having 30. Probably got the 35 at his biggest. And, uh, you know, to have the record he had to win two Corsair Cups, three Australasian Oaks, you know, he won a slip of Blue Diamond, um, which was the same as my grandfather with Manicato. So he was really proud of that. Um, and there's no doubt that he should probably be in the Hall of Fame at some stage, you'd think, with the record that he had. Clinton, it's, it's well told, the story of um, uh, the penthouse to the poorhouse situation where the fluctuating fortunes of racing, and that was very much the case with the McDonald's. You had the boats, the jet skis, the houses, and then bad times hit and everything had to go. So you know what it's like to ride the wave, and I guess you'd say you're on a bit of a crest of, as a solo trainer now. You, do you feel like you're on a bit of a crest of a wave uh, led by Star Patrol? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, it's been a long time in the making. We've always had handy horses and, uh, you know, we had Regal Roller and then Diamond Effort and Second Effort. And um, I just think maturity as well. You know, you start to settle down, you put your head down, you bum up and uh, you get fed income about it. So at the moment, really proud of the stable. Uh, my daughter's doing a great job running the barn and mum's still there doing the feed. So it's a family business still, which is great. And we've got some really good staff, which, you know, people don't understand. If you don't have good track riders and that, it makes the job very hard. And I'm very fortunate at the moment I've got three really great riders and it uh, makes life a lot easier. Tipping your mum's still the best horse in the stable, uh, courageous as she is. Uh, there wasn't enormous expectation with Star Patrol. Take us back to the beginning when he arrived in the stable. I think he was a bit of a surprise, wasn't he, from the moment he arrived? Uh, yeah, well, definitely. Shane McGrath rang me and he said, oh, I've got a horse there if you want to train it. Uh, I said, yeah, sweet, send him down. So he sent him down and I sort of said, you know, what's going on with him? He said, oh, we don't think he's much good, but, you know, see what you can do with him. And um, he said he's had a bit of a trouble of running off the track, uh, running to the outside fence. So I said, OK, fair enough. So... I just brought him down and we've just done a little bit of work, you know, doing a little bit and pieces with him, a bit of dressage, a bit of circle work and uh, just sort of, you know, got him going and he, and he settled into Cranbourne beautifully. We've done a lot of work with him out on the hillside track. And I trialled him up and he trialled really well. Um, I thought, geez, he's gone well. And so I looked at his form and I thought, geez, this horse is a bit of a sucker horse, this. You know, he's gone around eighty, got beat, sixty, got beat. I thought, oh, I don't be falling into this trap, you know, sort of, a, a sort of morning glory. And um, I went to Packenham and I said to the owners, I said, the horse should win, but I can't trust him on what I've seen on his form. You know, he's gone there short a couple of times and got rolled. I just want to see him do it. So Ollie rode him and uh, he travelled in the box seat and come around the turn and he sort of edged him out and he just exploded. You know, he never virtually got out of second gear and he won by six. And I thought, wow, you know, that sort of took me by surprise a little bit. And uh, 
Then we went to Flemington, uh, and Ollie couldn't make the weight, so Brett Treble jumped on. And uh, I said to Brett, just let him flow, you know, just get him into a nice rhythm. So Brett said he thought he did that. When he got to the uh, course proper, he said, you could just feel him start the truck up, up underneath him. And he said, I just asked him to go, and he said he just exploded. You know, he sort of put six, seven, eight lengths on him and ran really quick time. And I thought, well, you know, this might be something really good before. So, um, you know, since we've had him, he really hasn't put in a bad run. Um, he's had a couple of runs on wet tracks, which he's, you know, he's Achilles heel. Um, and that's what sort of happened the other day at Oakley Plate Day. You know, 1100 wasn't his distance, but it, he went to fly the gates and um, uh, Mick D just said you could feel him slipping. As soon as he hit the ground, you could feel him slipping and sliding. And he's such an extravagant action horse that, um, you know, he would have half just looked after, looked after himself a little bit. So his run was full of merit the other day, I thought, considering it wasn't his distance and, and the track was a bit slippery. So anyway, we get our chance today in, in the new market and he's stirred up, he's rock hard fit and he's ready to go. It's amazing. You've only really had him, haven't you, for about a year or just over a year, Clinton. So are you still learning about him or is it now front and centre? You know him. Oh, I know him like the back of my hand. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time because we're a small stable. You get to sort of be with the horses a lot more. And uh, my daughter does a great job looking after him. So she knows him. You know, she knows where the hair's out of place. So uh, we know him very well. He's a smart horse. He's a thinking horse. Um, and you've got to keep him sort of... Uh, his mind ticking over. So that's why we've gone for the visor today. Um, we worked him in on Monday morning. He worked super. And, uh, you know, we just feel if he can sit up on speed, he'll be a lot closer today in the 1,200, which is a better distance for him. And um, if he can run to the, what he did last year um, with 52 on his back, he'll be in front. He'll look the winner at some stage. It's just whether he's good enough. And, Clint, we better check on Fasudo. You might be going for a double by the time the new market handy comes up. Fasudo looks a good chance in the second. He's a really nice horse, always shown us good ability, but uh, he's a little bit randy like Matty. And uh, we had to okay. geld him. So Unnecessary drive-by there. <laughs> Highly accurate, though. <laughs> we gelded him after he started at the Valley, and uh, he's come back really well. He's going to get a great run in the race. Um, I think he's a terrific each-way bet at the $7, and... Uh, yeah, I think he'll run super. What was the name of that gigantic rot wheeler that your old man used to set upon me whenever I walked around the corner, Clint? Yeah, Dina, it was. So, is, yeah, is Dina still around? Dina sat everywhere next to him. No, she's gone. Yeah. We've got a new dog called uh, Roscoe, a big uh, scoreboard oh, dog, yeah. you know, like the dog off Turner and Hooch. So we've got a big dog like him and named him Roscoe. So um, it suits him and uh, he lays around like Roscoe and uh, just cruises. And only attacks Matt Stewart, which is a really good training technique of yours, Clint. Hey, um, just before we let you go, historical context of Weekend Hustler. I always felt that he got hit by a bigger wave when Black Caviar and, and Winks came along. But he, he's a little bit lost in history in some ways. But when you look at his career, he, he's got to be remembered as one of the absolute all-time greats, doesn't he, the Hustler? Oh, for sure. Like, you know, you look at these three-year-olds today, I think they're carrying 51 and a half and 50 and a half. Other. I think he carried 56 in the new market, you know, as a three-year-old. Um, so um, he won the Oakley Plate where he was just unbeatable. Um, never got the race so confident with a horse. It was just a matter of the barriers opening and pointing and shooting. Um, and then the new market... The new market was a bit different because Dad was looking at stepping into the miles, so he changed his work a little bit for that, knowing that we're going up to the Randwick Guineas at his next start, and he was probably more workmanlike in that race and also carrying 56 and then his next start he, he, he was jumped straight to a mile and Sydney way of going never been there and won the Randwick Guineas and then went on to win the all-age the all stakes so um, I know how good he was 
Uh, he was a freak, and uh, I always sort of used the, the comments that, you know, weak enough they used to run down on the inside fence, you know, 21 under, you know, under a hard hold. Black Caviar used to run 21 on the outside fence, you know. That, that was the difference. So that's how good she was. Uh, but weak enough it was an amazing horse in his own right. And, um, you know, he, he was, it was a special time because it was Dad's last course, good horse, and uh, I know how much pleasure he got out of it. Uh, well, he was a wonderful horse, and it's great to remember him as a past Newmarket winner. It goes quick when you're going back to 2008, but uh, he was a champion. Um, Clint, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you can put another one on the board for the McDonald family in the Group 1 uh, category today. Yeah, we'll be trying our best, and uh, let's hope everything goes well for the horse. Thanks, Clint McDonald there, who settles up Star Patrol. Uh, been some great winners of this race. I've got a little clip. It's a cinematone clip of Burnborough winning the new market, and it's funny. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it from 1946. With a furlong to go, Molly pulls him to the middle of the track as Rapirio dashes to the front. Now Four Freedoms challengers takes the lead and seems set for victory. Burnborough can't possibly win, but here he comes. What a stride, what a horse, what a finish. But it's too late. No, it isn't. He might do it. Foot by foot, inch by inch, he pegs the leaders back. Can he do it? He can, and he does. Black Caviar with a share of the lead coming to the 400. Crystal Lily on her inside, followed by King Pulse. Then came Beaded and Star Witness at the 300 metres now. And Black Caviar is coasting. Kicks away, two to three lengths on Crystal Lily. King Pulse Beaded is coming home. Black Caviar away by four lengths with 150 metres to go. This is unprecedented, ten straight. Black Caviar by four, Crystal Lily and Beaded. But she is unparalleled. Black Caviar, perfect. Three lengths, Crystal Lily. Beaded as third. And then perfect. Well, it makes sense, I thought, if we went to the best racehorse that we've seen, certainly applicable to Newmarket Handicap, it was appropriate that we had the best racing and sports commentator that we've ever seen and heard, who's just happened to drop by and join us. Now, it's someone I've known from my entire adult life. In fact, I was a teenager whippersnapper when uh, Bruce uh, burst into my uh, booth while I was practicing and then started telling me what to do. But my life changed since then, <laughs> and it's great to have Bruce McAvinney uh, with us this morning. Bruce, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, Dan and Matty. Yeah, it brings back great memories, Dan, and uh, you know how well I, I know you've done and everybody else. A great day, isn't it? It's utterly gorgeous. So we were talking on the way in about if you were to go back to scratch today, Dot, and to build something, this is your starting point this time of year, probably. Hey, Bruce, was Black Caviar the Carl Lewis you never got to call? <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah, God, she was, uh, she was something. I mean, it, there were moments when you felt that um, you'd never seen anyone better. And I, I honestly felt... At her prime, she was the best horse I'd seen. I actually rang my mother-in-law at one stage and said, Sadie, you better have a look at this because this is the best horse I've seen. She, um, and she beat good horses yeah. so easily uh, and then overcame so many obstacles. It's interesting because, you know, Winks followed and, of course, Maccabi Diva, what she achieved before. But in terms of sprinters, in fact, today on Seven, um, I've been given the task of listing who I think are the best four of the 144 that have won the 149. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, you've got quite a task there. 
I think that every fibre of your being would be in love with every aspect of the new market, the history, the everything, the challenge of the weights, the handicaps, the, which is the fast side, which is the one that's uh, got a windbreak. It, there's so many ingredients in the new market soup every year. Remember last year where the jockeys got it horribly wrong because they didn't realise how fast they were going. Is this one of those races that you think about a lot? It is, Matt. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest, I loved your article in the Winning Post yesterday because it, it summed up the race in so many ways. It's such a history to the race, a, a diverse history. It's Rarely we get a short price favourite. I mean, Burnbras and, and, and Ajaxes and, and Black Caviars aside, and today's a great example. We know it's the highest rating race for many, many years. You get all that Sydney first up form. I mean, Red Kirk Warrior started something, didn't he? Mm. And you've got horses drawn both sides of the fence. His private eye, can he win from inside? Can, um, you know, is, is I wish I wouldn't got the right draw? Horses like Masu. So, yeah, I love the race. I love the fact that there's so many vagaries. Uh, how do you put it all into the one hat and try and come out with a winner. Um, and today, I reckon, it's about as good an example as we've seen. In 1987, my first day as a full-time employee at Channel 10 was this day. I sat in the box with you to, to what you call the new market, and it's as special a memory as if I called it. You called Placid Arc winning in 1987, and at that time, there was no better sprinter. He was the it horse, and it's amazing how we've gone on to have those conversations about Black Caviar and the other champion sprinters post-2000. But that day was a special day, and almost every new market had a field of 24. It was a wonderful challenge for a race caller. You know, it is. Any, any straight six is. Uh, any straight six is. I mean, they're so difficult. Those, we used to have those railway highways on Cup Day. On Cup Day, they were they were extraordinary. But yeah, look, it, it is the challenge. We don't generally get that sort of feel. We've got 16 today. I reckon that's a great number, don't you? I mean, it's yeah. a big enough. You don't want a new market with nine or ten. That's what we don't want. We want what we've got today or some. So yeah, no, it's one of the great challenges um, because the first. Even with the big binoculars, for the first sort of 300 metres, they're pretty hard to really work out, and then you sort themselves out. And then you've got what Maddie was talking about earlier. How do you work out who's in front sometimes? I know we've got lines and things these days which help us, so that's always the challenge. And then, as you'd know, Dan, the photo here can be pretty misleading at times. You've got to give so much to that outside horse. So it sort of brings all the challenges that a race caller has together in one race. There's an amazing history. Something about running in a straight line fascinates me because you can fall off the edge of a field even in a straight line. There's all these optical illusions. And I did a bit of history for that story you're referring to. The, 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 it was an accidental placement here, the straight six. Mm. Uh, originally, the, the straight was along the riverside. Mm. And then they thought, oh, we'll whack in a straight course. And all the narcs at the time were saying, oh, it's just going to be for squibs. And no one really liked the idea. And it was, it was very foreign to them. So they're, and 100, as you say, this is the 150th. It's kind of, Melbourne has built around this straight line almost, hasn't it? The CBD, everything we see. So there's something absolutely constant about it. And, and when we look at the great horses, um, a lot of them are not just sprinters. Now, wakeful. You know, second in the Melbourne Cup wins the Sydney Cup. Um, Ajax, I know, sprinter miler, but wins the Cox Plate. Burnborough, six to four on or something in a Caulfield Cup, um, wins a Caulfield Stakes. Um, they're not just sprinters that can win this race. I mean, we always used to say, uh, Maddie and Dan, when I was growing up, you need a good miler to win this, a new market handicap. Sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. But that's, I think, the other great thing about this race. It, it does allow lots of different types of horses to succeed.
Hey, I know you've got. We're going to ask you for your new market tip. You'll love this. I've got a little filly in work at Sprite, and guess who's been riding it in track work? It's Tommy Doyle. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> so Tommy, Tommy Doyle was the star down of King Island, and, and he, he, he looks like he could have been in Lord of the Rings, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he, does. he, he could have been. I, I won't say who he was starring, but he's the most beautiful young fella, and he, you know, Tony McAvoy, and uh, he rode for Tony in the cup there, and afterwards we all got together, and they talked him into coming over, and uh, yeah, he's got a beautiful, beautiful nature. That, I, that, I like that, I like that, and I, that whole King Island thing still resonates with me, does it with you? It will forever. Yeah. It's kind of going to be, other than bucking after the fires, I think that, those of us who were there can't quite explain no. why it was so special, but it just was, but... Uh, Absolutely. Hey, are you going to leave us with the new market winner at double figure odds? I uh, wish I could. Well, Mazu was the one I reckon that was over the odds early. Now, he's into about $12. I thought when he was about $18, he was too different to private eye because I don't think there's much between them, but I'm going to be really boring. After the lightning, I thought I'd seen the winner. I wish I win. And I don't think anything's changed. The only thing that's changed is a better price than I thought he'd be. Now, it's going to be hard. Um, we know that. But I think he's got a turn of foot that can take him to victory. All right. Well, let's see how it unfalls. What a beautiful day. Thanks, mate. Really, Pleasure. it's always great to always have you Always, Matty. In. You too, Dan. Yeah, it great does to see you, Bruce. Take me down memory lane. Yeah. Good memories. We, we do, and Dan, it's good to see you get to some of the bucket list places. Melton, into Dominion Night, King Island. I'm sure there's a few other big race days. It's like come. a whistle-stop tour, I think. Good on you, Bruce. Um, so what did he... Oh, I wish I win. He doesn't usually leave us with a boring one, but he's given us the, the one that ticks most of the boxes. Yeah, and that, look, it might be the obvious one. I think we all saw that flashing light. It was, it, there was everything bar the flashing light on that flashing light run uh, last time. Uh, Simone Fisher, um, uh, the, the beautiful day here. I'm sure it is where you are as well. But the new market is a race that I must admit, uh, w- when I was calling, uh, it was probably my second favourite race to call and probably a- equal biggest challenge. Uh, because it was the Melbourne Cup of, uh, of sprinters, and I reckon it still is. Simone, you must have got a thrill out of this. Bruce has just, he's got that resonance, hasn't he? And uh, we appreciate you just sitting by and, and taking it all in, but it's, uh, it's lovely to catch up with uh, the absolute doyen as we, as we round off cracking the codes. What's on for the rest of the day up at, uh, up at Bendigo for you? Oh, there's plenty on, guys. Um, like I've been doing all weekend, getting a horse and everything ready to come. So Darcy's got some events this afternoon and um, some riding events and tomorrow it's jam practice and show jumping and some other events as well. But it was it was really lovely listening to Bruce and um, unfortunately I, I couldn't be there. But I think the thing with Bruce that everyone <laughs> resonates with everyone is how he just retains this information and he can contribute to conversations and draw dates and horses and people from many, many years ago. And um, he does that across all sports. It's not just racing. He just must have this brain that's like a, a library that he can just pull any information from at any time. He's quite an amazing person. So hopefully I will get the chance to sit next to him some other time and um, have a chat to him as well and join in on the conversation. Well, if he goes to King Island and those sorts of venues, we might be able to find a, a, a meeting of any of the three codes, for that matter, that'll be interested in coming to, Simone. Um, look, uh, enjoy the rest of your day today. I know it's a big weekend family-wise, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again next Saturday on Cracking the Codes. Yeah, thanks, guys. You have a great day, too, out there at Flemington. And, um, yeah, weather's perfect all round, so I think that sets the scene for everyone this weekend. So thank you, and see you next week.
It w thanks, Simone. It would be a gorgeous day up at Bendigo. Andrew Bensley's slid in and he's going to give us a little cameo because he's here for the duration today with he's our afternoon coverage. Cajoled, this, I would have thought. Is this cracking the code's first appearance for me? Is that right? It is. You, you've been waiting and waiting I, I've and been, waiting. And, and then you've been I've, writing letters, making yeah. phone calls. I'm thinking, surely if I, I can get on today, if I come early enough. So here I am. Here I am. We, here we, I am. We We've given you it. 30 seconds. So <laughs> what, are you, um, what are you most looking forward it's to? It's only 10.50. I can do 10 minutes here, <laughs> yeah, mate. Hey, um, the new market, um, are you as intrigued? Like Bruce Illich yeah. said it really well. There's, yeah. There's so many ingredients that you have to factor in most years, and this is one of those years where all the ingredients are, are there, aren't they, because of the size of the field and size of the of field, but also what Bruce spoke about, and you guys have far more history on this than me, but just the weight relative to I wish I win. You know, we heard Peter Moody on this morning with Warren saying, I'm confident the horse is ready to go and to be running one hell of a race, but can I wish I win carry the weight and beat the others? And then you've got Matt Smith coming down from Sydney uh, with his runner that's got 50 and a half. Uh, this is what, uh, for my, I love races like this. The old standing starts at the showgrounds I used to love. I know this people... reminds me of the old Hunter Cup. For some reason, exactly. it's got that sense of history yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it is a mixture of uh, the, the, the standing starts where we've seen maybe them dropped off uh, for whatever reason. But... The equaling, and I was talking to Matt Hill yesterday about our coverage today, and he was, you know, race callers get a bit toey because suddenly there could be 10 across the line. But the expectation from a handicapping point of view is that we do have yeah. 10 across yeah. the line, that it, it can be one of those finishes. And I'll be fascinated to hear from David Hegan a little bit later just on the history and how he weighted it all and, and put it all together for this year's race. Yeah, it's probably a a more important weight race these days in the Melbourne Cup. I know they're both computer-generated, ratings-generated, but yep. I think there's something about the, the gap between top and bottom here, like 58 to 50 and a half. That feels very old school to yeah. me. No, it is. Uh, no, look, uh, and, you know, you get the Godolphin runner with just 51 and a half. Is in secret just thrown in to be winning this race. Did Bruce think, I wish I win? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's going to, everyone's got their own thoughts. And that's what racing should be bringing with these Group 1 races, that, that we need discussion. We need plenty of points of view, and everyone's got one. What about the best story today? I still think it's Julius, because I'm a mate with Julius, and yeah. I would love to see, I just like his hysterics when he wins. So yeah. I, think, um, I think Matt Smith, Ben Thompson would be lovely, returning to town with wasting yeah. to ride at 50 and a half. What yeah. are the, just flicking through it, Andrew, what do you think of the three or four Well, Ben Thompson is, is one, just given what we saw at Sandown a couple of Saturdays ago, that, uh, you know, the surprise element that uh, yeah. this young kid has been through a hell of a lot with different issues, but here he was winning a Group 1. Uh, I still love... Uh, the likes of Alinda Meach. I know, you know, front page today uh, is a good story for mine. Jeff Duray running first up. Marzu's been targeted towards this race. But still the story for mine is whether the top eight private eye can do it down the straight like he did in the spring. He was so good in the last time that we saw him down the straight here. Was it the last time of the From barrier guy? two with 58. So Liam's going to join us. But yeah. hearing Liam earlier, the, the hint from him is middle, middle. to out. So... yeah. yeah. I got a feeling Private Eye is going to have to be Private Eye on turbocharged yeah. to win. But so. he could be. Yeah, no, if he no, turns no. up yep. like he did yep. here yep. Uh, in the spring, then he's capable of winning yep. this race. And Rock and Horse, Mike Moroni got very angry, Dan, 
because Rockin' Horse didn't feature in the world oh, ranking. Big man. You wouldn't want him getting too angry because he's a big man. Oh, yeah. mate, I wouldn't want to go. I would imagine running him into a dark alley if he's. Um, well, the, the, the yeah. thing with Rockin' Horse is that. When, he, when the horse won the race last year, it was $20, $30, $40, whatever price it was. And, oh, it's, uh, and it's rolling in at $20, $30 yeah. again today. So it hasn't had the ideal prep because it had that little issue yeah. when it was meant to run here. But yeah. you can never, because Moroni's stable's up and about. Listeners, I will say that we're geared for a huge day. But I tell you what's geared for a huge... Uh, is there an ad break coming up? Uh, at 11 o'clock. Okay. Well, the uh, croissant... With the ham and the cheese might be gone by then. Listeners, gee, they should get have seen the look on his face because they were presented right in front of Bensley, right? And I thought, that's why you can't. I want to look after him because no, he's not getting any younger and he's wearing a tight-fitting <laughs> suit. So I re removed them from him and he followed like a cartoon character. He sort of followed them with his lip. It was. There's only one better than me on the tooth, and that's the bloke back in the studio uh, <laughs> that would match us. So the other day we had a staff party. Uh, not a staff party, a staff meeting. <laughs> it could it have ended up. It wasn't it, exactly a party. No, it wasn't a party. But um, a lot of exciting things happening with RSN in regard. We're going to new studios later on in the year, and, and we wanted to bring our staff along and let them know. And um, uh, there were about eight cakes left when a certain person arrived for his evening shift. Don't you... You're not allowed to comment back there. Uh, and, and I said... That sounded like Shrek in the yeah, background. I said, there's eight cakes over there. Mick McGuan and Travis Noonan are in. You're not allowed to eat them all, but you're allowed to have a couple. So next thing, he's eaten two or three of them in quick succession. And I, I did the wrong thing. I said, here's the box of the, the ones that you haven't. Take them into the studio. Well, I reckon he had three between 50 feet. I reckon I've he seen would. him in full flight. It's, it's an ugly scene. <laughs> hey, Andrew, I, I will simply through, say um... that Mick McGuan didn't even take the paper casings off the muffins. <laughs> I reckon yeah. they were all gone by the I don't time. know where Cozzy fits it because he's such a diminutive character. <laughs> yeah, hey, Andrew, take us through who, who you've got on our crew today. And yeah. just before that, if, yeah. you, if you can't listen to RSN today, obviously coming to the track is, yeah. uh, is going to be massive. Steve Rossich is going to join us. I yeah. think they're probably looking at 10 to 12. Yeah, I think um, they're high, a bit higher than yeah. that, the expectation. But if you can't come and you want to listen in, who, yeah. who's going to take us through our afternoon on RSN today? So midday we start straight after you. We've got uh, today... Uh, and and we're, we're bringing along some great young people into our game now. Sadly, there, there is no Dean Lester and we have to create. So today we've got the Noonan boys uh, who uh, have shown in the last few weeks a, a good feeling around picking horses and also picking them out of the mounting yard. So Travis and Nick will be joining us. Uh, we've got uh, Brendan Delaney and Matt Hill upstairs and then there's a bloke down in the mounting yard that'll be doing stacks of interviews as well. So uh, we'll have it all covered uh, from midday today for six hours and then into the evening harness racing. Yeah, and I'll be there uh, from, uh, from Elton tonight, of course, on a big weekend. There's cup meetings nearly at every town anywhere in Australia. Chuka and Stony Creek tomorrow. Yeah, Birch at Wangaratta Cup. Wangaratta? Did, cup. You, did you know they had harness racing at Wangaratta? Well, they, they only have the one meeting a year. Fantastic turnout. Yeah. Same as, as Birchip. I'm going there and I'm really looking Which forward to Which one are you going, going to? Wangaratta. Wangaratta. Birchip. Yeah. Yeah. Birchip as well. Yeah. yeah. But Canberra Cup, you've got Adelaide Cup on Monday. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful weekend. So it's so important yep. that we get a few winners today because it'll be a really long weekend that we can't get one. <laughs> and it was today. interesting when Bruce McAvoy, I think it was off air, you know, he loves the champion and he doesn't like him wobbling on their pedestal. And he said to Dan, Captain Ravishing Dan, what's the go there? So, uh, uh, well, Bruce saw Captain Ravishing the night out at at the Hunter Cup, yeah. so uh, he was enamoured with him that I, day. I, I know that Matt is dropping off, 
the captain. Yeah. I, he used to call him Ravo, you know. Yeah. like, And he might think that the harness industry might go early with horses, but Fedigam, you were there. You were there calling him Ravo. He was front and centre. Oh, just because I call him Ravo doesn't mean he's, I think he's popular arm. I just called him Ravo. All I'll say is... Don't rule him out yet. No. Because I think Menangles is going to be his, his ne- nemesis. Where he was drawn and how quick they go, it's I think extremely it exposes hard. him. Yeah, bit, give him a break and a chance to come back. I know you've demoted him to private or ensign or something <laughs> like that. I'll, I'll bet you he never wins a group one at Menangle. Oh, this is... Can we please, uh, Our producer's back in the studio. If you can just cut that up, please. You we know what? The Eureka's not a group race. It's what? It's not a group race, the Eureka, the yeah. 2.1 million. Yeah. So you'll probably get away with that. So we'll, we'll have a bit of a <laughs> Hey, Ben, I know you don't like sort of being pinned against the wall for a tip, but give us one. New market. Uh, I think the private eye wins the new market. I think class prevails. He's got uh, top weight for a reason. I'm right. with you. I, I think he can win, but it's a great race. And yeah. I could put 10 in there and still miss the quaddy. And we'll, hear to, uh, we'll talk to a lot of the players from midday today. So stay tuned right through the day. Even if you're going walking or going out, just t- put the headphones in and away you go. Red Kirk Warrior is going to be here today thanks to uh, Living Legends, El Mandan also in the race day stalls. They'll be parading between races two and four. So go up and see them, take a photo. Yeah. Uh, the Flemington Fairground is a very popular place to be today. In fact, anywhere on the track, inside mm. or out, is going to be uh, marvellous and spectacular. The Tab Igloo's up there in its normal spot. The about, Igloo? Yeah, 300 metre mark. Well, we've got the Wild Action Zoo there today, so I reckon you wouldn't be out of place there, uh, Matt Stewart. JJ from Coco Mallon doing a meet and greet with fans oh. at the Flemington Fairgrounds. Can't wait stage. to meet JJ from Coco Mellon. <laughs> now, uh, now, I don't like to uh, jump in because I try and stop another person from jumping in. But can, can we wrap it up? That croissant over there with ham and cheese, it's starting to look real We'd nice. better. We'd better go to a break. And then when we come back, we're going to set the scene for a massive race day. We're going to have a chat to Liam O'Keefe, Steve Rossich, Duff, Hong Kong Preview, Julia Sandu, da- Sandu, Dave Hagen on the line, and then one or two jockeys we might be able to scrape in at the death dock. That's your first job for the day is to <laughs> rope a couple of participants in, I'm Andrew. So all yeah. that coming up You after can 11. eat and yeah. get a guest yeah, or I'll two as well. Entice them with croissants. That might be your go. <laughs> They'll Thank be all gone by then, mate. Good on you. You, mate. Have a good day. Thanks, Andrew. Um, Sunlight, one of the great new market races, and she was successful in 2019. We'll be back for Saturday race day shortly. Zusane Sunlight together from in her time. They were followed by Graf, who's joining in on the outside from Champagne Cuddles. Eduardo under the whip. Further back, Brave Smash. Osborne Bulls with a lot to do. Graf moving up to Sunlight at the clock tower. Sunlight kicks from Graf, followed by Brave Smash in her time. Sandra and Elaine, still Sunlight with 100 metres to go from Graf. Brave Smash Osmond Bulls late. It's too late. Sunlight won the new market. Won it by a link. Photo second. Brave Smasher Osmond Bulls. Photo four. Santa Adelaide or Graf. Followed by in her time in. Chris-